Like I said, we, I want to look at Titus 3, verses 3 to 8. And really, truly, what this is all about is, in these uh, eight verses here, the Apostle Paul is telling us what Jesus Christ has done for us. What we was like before we got saved, what he's done for us not to be this day. And this morning, as we look at these eight uh, verses, I find about six, seven different things that I like to hit on this morning. I think God is talking about. He's first, first of all, he talks about our past. Then he talks about the gifts he's given unto us. Then he talks about the position we now have. And then he talks about our, our responsibility. And at last, he talks about the profit we're going to get because we serve Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so Titus 3, verses 3 through 8, it says, I must pick up your glass. Neither her glass, but I'm fuzzy one or two. But we ourselves also were sometimes uh, foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving, diverse, and uh, lusted, and pleasures. Living, the, living to the malice. To every hippo and hitting thing. I am not, I'm, I'm after that the Lord. Can you come over there and read this, please? I bring my glass. No wonder the lens is missing out of it. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to confirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. I forgot we live in modern times. I forgot the screens up. Do you really believe that Jesus Christ makes a change in a person's heart? Do you really believe that? Do you believe when he comes into your heart, all he does is only you turn over and you leave and start a new way of living? The passage that we're going to be looking at this morning, we find that the man that wrote these scriptures is a man who knew what was going on by the change in life. He was a man who believed the very thing the world could ever have was to get rid of Jesus Christ completely. He hated Jesus. He despised the church. He despised everything that had to do with Jesus. But one day on the road to Damascus, when he least expected, the one that he hated so came down and met him face to face. 
And the very moment that Paul saw Jesus Christ, he was a changed man. Jesus changed that man and made him the greatest uh, disciple that he ever had. He just wrote, wrote more books in the Bible than any other writer. Because Jesus Christ touched his life, he's a changed man. I can say, honestly say to you this morning, because Christ touched Philip Murray's life years ago, he's a changed man this morning. Not because of anything I've ever done, but because of what he did in my life. And I thank God for that. But here we find in this lesson here, in this scripture this morning, that Paul talks about, the first thing he talks about is our past. He said, this verse tells us, before Christ came into our heart, exactly, we were guilty of three different kinds of sins. The first sin that we were guilty of was disobedience unto God. We knew what God wanted us to do. We knew how God wanted us to live. We knew his commandments. We knew his laws. We knew his teachings. But we cast all that aside and we went and lived the way we wanted to live. Not the way God wanted us to live. But you see, my friends, we get right with God, our sin problems will be answered. No doubt about it. Our sin problems will be gone. A person that Jesus touches, their life is changed from that moment on. I was thinking about uh, a story that a doctor, W.H. Ford, wrote in his little book he got uh, about uh, membership in all the churches. And Dr. Ford goes in that, in that story, he says, there was a young couple that came in their town and right after they got married, that he fell in love with the first time he met him at the, the, the supermarket. He said he didn't know at that time what it was going to be like down the road, but they turned out to be they're not the best neighbors in, in the neighborhood. He said they get out by taking a drink of alcohol every afternoon. They'd have a shot of whiskey for a, a re relaxing time. You know, every day they did. But that one shot turned to two, and then three, and then four. Next thing you knew, people was being beaten up down there, and they would call, have to call the law and everything else. And Dr. Wood said that one afternoon he stopped by the house, not expecting anybody to come to the door. If they did come, he expected to get cussed out completely. He said, but when, he, when the lady came to the door, he could hear the husband back there calling different names that he would call his night queen. And says he told the lady, said, would you be interested in just taking this track and reading it? which she did. The next Sunday, the lady and her husband came to church. They got saved the week after that. And he said that couple turned around completely and became the best members he ever had as a pastor. They, they, they could never do enough for Jesus Christ. They were God telling people about Jesus, telling people about Jesus done in their marriage. He said that one day he asked, he said, would you mind telling our church one afternoon exactly what Jesus done in your life? So one Sunday night, they got up and they talked to the church about it. And they, the man said this. He said, I don't know where I'll be today, but I know one thing. Jesus Christ took me out of hell and put me in heaven here on earth because of his love for us. And people, that's the way it is. When Jesus Christ comes down our life, we are going to be changed. There's no doubt about it. Because you see, once we come to Jesus, our life changes completely, right? <clears throat> Whenever we get right with God, our sins will go away. All the sins which we committed are sins against God. You know what David said? 
But since he is the only of us in we need to realize that. But how do you get right with God? How do you know when you're right with God? How can you look at somebody and tell they're right with God? I thought about that. If you really and truly want to know whether you're right with God, go to Galatians 2 and 20. The Apostle Paul there says, I've been well, baptized with Jesus. Yeah, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life by which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. What Paul is simply saying, I died to self completely. I have no control of my life, but Jesus controls my life. And people, that's the only way really, truly, we're going to ever know who Jesus is. It's when we're willing to turn our life completely over to him and let him have full control of everything he needs to do in our life. And when that happens, then God, we will be right with God and our sin question will be answered, believe it or not. The next sin we see that Paul talks about is sin of the flesh. Because sin of the flesh, he says, divers and lusts and, uh, and pleasures. He, Jesus, give us the choice to make in life. We can do what Christ wants us to do, we do what the world wants to do. But what the man wants to do is directly against God. And they fall for this uh, sin of the, of the flesh. The sin of the flesh is sins you can touch, feel, and, and look at. They are the sins that really and truly has got their, their, their many families down in the dumps today. The sins of the flesh is the sins that cause our nation to spend millions and millions of dollars every year because of the right lives to then wreck and ruin because of the sins of the flesh. I mean, look at, look at the results that sin has done. Sin has caused people to lose their lives. They have hurt the families, but they also destroyed nations. Have you stopped to think that sin has caused great nations to fall? Like the sin of um, Babylon, um, Rome, and Egypt? All three of those cities were great, powerful cities. All of those cities were very wealthy. But sin creeped in, and sin got them. And they went down. I just wondered this morning, friends, is America going to be in the same shape one day? Well, our great nation we have today fall like uh, Rome and, and Babylon and, and, and Egypt. I mean, you look at our society today. Everything that you think of goes on our society today. Our society is full of whiskey, sex, robbing, killing, and anything else you can think of. We live in a society today that says it doesn't matter what the world thinks of us. It doesn't matter what God has to say. I think you're pretty good. I think you're pretty good. And it's like that, that's pretty well what they say. I think you're pretty good. And you, know, you change the way you live. But people, if I'm all right and you're all right, then why in the world do we need Jesus Christ to go to the cross for? Why did he have to die for people that's filled with sin? If we're all right and, 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 you know, and, and you're all right, why do we have to do that? When we indulge in, in, in the flesh of sin, we are robbing ourselves of the Spirit of God. And we're not letting God have His way in our life. Because we're more concerned about the things 
of this world, the pleasures of this world. Paul also says there's another type of sin that we are guilty of, and that was the sin of disposition, or the sin of attitude. Now, these are not sins like the sins of the flesh. You can't see them, you can't touch them, but they're real. They're just as real as the sins of the flesh. There are sins like hatred, um, denying people, hurting people, trying to destroy people's life. But it's, it's not like the sins of the flesh. You can't see that coming, but they destroy people's life completely. And if we think for a moment, the sins of the, of the, the <coughs> If we think for a moment that the sins of, of uh, the positive sins is not dangerous like the, the sins of flesh, in my opinion, we were completely wrong. Because they are, they just think. They destroy people's life just like the sins of flesh would. Then Paul tells us also that God gives us a gift, and the gift that he gives to us was the greatest gift this world has ever known when he gives his only begotten son. Paul is pointing out that freely people, I'm sorry, I just, please forgive me. I'm sorry. God's gift, he gave us his love, he gave us his son. Look at the contrast between the two points. When you look at God's love and man, what do you see? You see God full of love all the time. You see man hating and despising people, trying to destroy everything God stands for. I mean, I don't care where you, where you go, this is what you're going to see when you look at the love of God and the love of man. He also gave us his good son, his, his salvation, I mean. He gave us salvation, not because of anything we ever done, but because of Jesus' love, because of Jesus' heart. He gave us his love. One day, I and every one of us looked in the mirror of God, and we saw ourselves the way God saw us. And when we looked in that mirror, I didn't like what I saw. All I saw was a dirty, filthy sinner. And people, that's all we see today if we look in the mirror of God. When we put ourselves up against the holy God, that's all we're going to see. But yet we like to claim we're holy, we're nice, there's nothing wrong with us. We're righteous. We, we do everything we're supposed to do. We, we help our neighbors, we have a job, we take care of our property. We're good people. We're good, righteous people. Even on Sunday mornings, we get dressed up, we come to church, we put our little white robe of righteousness on. We come to church, we all look pretty good, don't we? Now, your robe may be a little dingy to mine, yours may be a little white to mine. But we're all here. And we all think we're righteous. But what did uh, Isaiah have to say about that? He says, in God's sight, all our righteousness are like filthy rags. You see, when we stand up against God, we stand up as the one who can tell us everything that's wrong in our life. But that day that we looked into that mirror, we had asked for hope. Asked for God to come in and touch our life in some way or another because we realized there's nothing wrong with us. 
And what he saw was Jesus Christ hanging on his cross. And that's what we looked at. And that's when he came to us and opened his salvation. And then he not only gave us his salvation, but he gave us that great wonderful thing called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came down to live with us every day of our life. And do you realize that when the Holy Spirit came to your heart and my heart, people, he's never lived and he never will leave us. He'll stay with us until Jesus comes back the second time. That's the same power that took Jesus out the tomb is going to be there to take us out the grave when Jesus, when his return. The Holy Spirit is the best friend that a Christian ever had. If we just listen to him and turn loose and let him have freedom in our life. But no, we want to hold on to the world instead of holding on to Christ. And when we do that, we, we miss out on the blessings of the Holy Spirit. We get the Holy Spirit from God because God wants us to show others how much he loves them. And the Holy Spirit, God uses just to bring mankind together with neighbors and to, to direct their life as well as their body of believers. It's the Holy Spirit that should be doing everything we do in our church. He should be the man that is called in the shots. And then Paul talks about we now have a new position. Paul says we are now heirs of God. Because we are children of God, now we are heirs of God. Henry Ford made millions of dollars. Our Father God is much wealthier than Henry Ford ever thought about being. But just think about it. Henry Ford's heirs had to wait until Henry Ford died before they got the benefit. How about God? The very moment we accept Jesus as our Savior, we receive the blessing. Remember those thief on the cross? He didn't do anything to earn it. He never went to church. He never gave a dime to mission. He never cared whether you have food at your table. He didn't give a rip about you. None at all. But he realized something that the disciples failed to realize. The disciples stood there and they were watching Jesus down on the cross. They said, oh my, all our hopes, all our, all our desires is gone. Everything we planned for is gone. It's gone, wiped out completely now. Why that old dude do? He said, Lord, you know, remember when you come into your kingdom. And the Holy Spirit says, you, today you'll be me. I mean, Jesus said, today you'll be with me. You see, when we become God's heirs, we receive everything that God has to give for us. We need to also realize that as Christians, we need to let people realize by our actions that we believe in God and trust God. It's a position that we should be proud of. It's a position that we should never let anyone downgrade us. For people, we have to protect that position. As children of God, we have to protect the king who is God himself. And there's certain places we can't go and there's certain things we can't do. And still, let people have respect for God. I remember why ever came to church and got saved. We used to go out to cookouts on Saturday night up in Bruno and different places. And I used to drink like fish back then. But there was people that had drinking and carried on. They had to get home. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. I got to go. I got to go to Sunday school in the morning. I said, what are you going there for? 
I got Sunday school class teacher. You think that person made an impression on anybody? Didn't know me. I didn't see where anything needed me to go to church. If that's all, if that's all they had to do, do what they were doing. In fact, I was doing it. I just wasn't sleeping. I slept through church time, I reckon. But what I'm trying to say, people, is God can make that change through the lives in which we live. We need to let other people know that we're a child of God. I don't know. I, I know this. We, we have a responsibility to God. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know. I don't know what God, I always believe God's got a purpose of everything that happens. I really believe that. I know one thing. I reckon I'm paying for it now. But it was doing, back when I used to be active as preachers, if I was nothing I'd rather do than get to preach the word of God. And I thought it would be like that this morning, but it's not like that this morning. I'm sorry. I love you. I want you to try to understand what I'm saying. But even though I have failed to do what I felt like God wanted me to do, God will never fail you, people. He will never fail you. He'll be there to love you always and to care for you. Knowing me, I probably think that I've made a heal out of myself. More than this grace God. But God so loved me this afternoon that you love me when I got out of bed this morning. And I do the same for you. I do know that he's given us a responsibility. He says this is the paper saying and these things I will that confirm conscience. That they which believe in God may be careful to maintain good work. With the new position, we now have a new obligation. And as Christians, we have to maintain that op obligation. As Christians, we must be committed, sincere, in our faith in Jesus Christ. We can't be Christians on Sundays, and the devil Mondays to Saturdays. We can't come to church on Sunday and expect to worship God if we don't worship God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday in our home. I don't care what anybody says. You cannot do it. You've got to give the basic commitment that you're going to serve Jesus Christ. And then we have to discipline ourselves. By that I mean simply this. I know you have temptation just like I do. We have to control those temptations. It's hard sometimes, I realize that, but we've got one who, who can help us. That's why the Holy Spirit is with us, to help us make it through those hard times. And we must keep on keeping on, people. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep, keep trying to work for Christ. Keep working for Christ. Will it pay you? Yes, it'll pay you. It pays to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It pays to take off the devil and put on God. And one day it's going to be a great day, day for everyone who knows Jesus as our Savior. 
We're going to leave the devil's service, and we're going to line up with God's side, and we're going to serve God. And then that day comes, we need to keep realizing we have to keep doing it every day. It's not just a once a week deal, it's every day. There was a man that lived in Chicago who had an only son. And all of his hopes were wrapped up in that boy. His hopes were simply that the son would settle his son during the late time, that the stars would shine brightly in his life. But one day, A fellow wanted his watch and his money, and the fellow didn't have any, so he took a gun to kill the man. He killed his son in the cold blood. If that son, if that son's father had made arrangements to talk to that man to kill his son whenever they had a bond here, and he went there and he looked at that man and he said to him, God bless you. You killed my son. But I love you. I'll do anything in the world for you. I think all would have to say that man is an unusual father, but we had an unusual father in, our, in heaven because that's the way he felt God. He had an only son. And you know what he did? You and I converted him. Our sin was the one, the thing that drove that crown upon Jesus' head. It was our sins that nailed him to the cross. It was our sins that pressed the thorns upon his head where the blood would drip down from his forehead. It was, it was our sins that threw the spear into his side. Yes, we killed the only begotten Son of God. How did he feel about it? How did he respond to you and I killing his own son? He said, I still love you. I'll do anything in the world for you. Find out you give to heaven and be with me one day. People, you can't measure the love and the height and the depth of the love that God has for you and I. He loves you. He loves you. I wouldn't plan on doing anything like this. I'm going to do it anyway because I feel like the Lord is good. I want to talk with you about some brothers that I knew in the events that took place in their life. The younger brother was a few years older, well, not a few, maybe 10 years older than the older brother. Of course, the younger years, they didn't get along that well because of the age difference. And as they began to grow up, they began to be bigger buddies. 
The younger brother, during his high school days, gave his biggest brother something really to be proud of. Because the coach, he played football, he loved football, he was a good football player. And the coach told the old brother one day, he said, if your brother will study, keep his grades up. He said, no doubt in my mind, he was going to call scholarship to Carolina, Clemson, or Duke, anywhere he wants to go. And then if he continues to do that, he's going to be an All-American. He said, he'll be, you'll be watching him play ball on Sunday on television. Ten years, uh, tenth grader now. And the coach felt that way about him. That his best, uh, deepest thing he ever coached in his life. It's the best one he ever seen play. Well, the brother, this youngest brother, he decided he would fall in love. He fell in love. And his girlfriend didn't want him to play football. She told him, if you love me, you, you give up football, spend that time with me. So he quit football. I thought the coach was going to come out of the blue because he had high hopes of winning the state championship. He knew they had a good team. But he also told me, he said, I know if that boy doesn't play, we, he's going to hurt us one day. They're going to beat us. And sure enough, they did. To make a long story short, the oldest brother went on his way, got married, had his family. He became a Christian. He started teaching Sunday school classes, being very active in the church. And he started preaching something. The youngest brother took the road of being a construction worker. His wife didn't like it, so they ended up in divorce. They had one little boy. And that boy, when he was thinking, I think he was in high school, killed himself. Because he won't be with his daddy, but his daddy couldn't be there because he was a construction worker. And the older brother, he tried to comfort him the best he could. Tell him, you know, come on. Go to church with me, go this, place with me, go there. Get it off your mind. Do something. Get it off your mind. Try to make a long story short. The youngest brother had COVID 19. And the day before he died, he told the oldest brother and other members that he was all right. He was coming home the next morning. In fact, he told his brother, oldest brother, be there. I'm coming home in the morning. The next morning, his sister got a call from a doctor saying, your brother's dying. You better, if you want to see him, come down. And his sister and oldest brother Old brother's wife went down. Couldn't talk to him. I mean, I talked to him, but no, he was in a coma. And they let him stay in there for a little while, and then put him out because Dad had a little bit. But I also 
brother. Pleaded, pleaded with God. God, give me another chance to talk to my brother. Give me another chance to go and let him know that Jesus loves him. God said, no. The time's over. The oldest brother lives every day now in his life. Wondering, is his brother in here? Is he? There's not a day goes by he doesn't think his brother. Would you ask, would you please pray for that woman close because she knew that woman close with me. I failed to do what God wanted me to do with my brother. I didn't tell him about Jesus. I told him about church. I told him about anything. But I didn't do it good talking about Jesus Christ the way I should have. And now I feel like that way to me. People, can't we be fools sometimes? I mean, really, truly. When all we have to do is turn everything over to God. Start over Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I don't know. I don't know what's going on this morning, but you do. I don't know.